folks, it's time for Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show about the crucial political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and the nation at large. Join us for a stimulating, thought-provoking discussion. You'll get the facts as we focus on the challenges facing everyone. Good morning, Sedona. It's Monday, November 14th, and this is Democratic Perspective. I'm Stephen Hanks, proud board member of the Democrats of the Red Rocks, and I'm guest hosting this morning for Stephen Williamson, who is a little bit under the weather, but I'm sure Stephen is here. And by the way, uh, you can only uh, be host of the show if your name is Stephen and you spell it with a PH. I just want to get that out there. <laughs> um, Stephen is with us in spirit in the studio right now especially given the results for Democrats in last week's, actually continuing, this week's midterm elections, which, by the way, are not over yet. But in the studio with us in person is frequent co-host and former past, immediate past board president of DOOR, Karen McClellan, and our guest today, Kathy Kinsella, who is not only my fellow board member, with Dor, but also a member of the Sedona City Council. Good morning, Bernie hey, Valley. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> if you hear a smile in my voice during the show, or see a pep in our step, <laughs> if you run into any of us around Sedona or the village of Oak Creek, it's because we feel happy, gratified, and tremendously relieved that Democrats bucked the midterm odds and scored huge victories, not only in Arizona, but all over the country. Now, as a I'm a staunch gun control advocate, so I'm loath to use military metaphors to describe anything. But, folks, we dodged a bullet with the 2022 midterm results, especially here in Arizona. Democrats are retaining the Senate, still have a slim chance of keeping control of the House. And locally, the Democrat won the Sedona, Sedona mayoral race. Dems have retained an Arizona U.S. Senate seat with Mark Kelly's victory over the Trump sycophant Blake Masters, the Arizona Secretary of State office with Adrian Fontes's win over the election-denying Mark Fincham, and later today we should find out that Katie Hobbs has beaten the totally toxic Kerry Lake for Arizona governor. So it's a great time to be a Democrat and a great day for American democracy. Uh, before we get into the Sedona-Arizona national race analysis, I want to bring Karen McClellan into this now, as she won some elections on Tuesday night. And uh, so, Karen, tell our listeners what interesting positions that you ran for and won. Well, I was real. Yeah, um, I was reelected to the school board for the Sedona Creek School Board. Um, that was raised. None of us did any campaigning because all three people will be on the school board. Um, uh, April Payne, who came in third, will get a two-year seat. The other two of us were incumbents. We will get elected to four-year seats, so everyone will be on the board. Um, the other race was the Red Rock Road Enhanced Maintenance District, which is a small county-level special board funded by property taxes that is only in the village of Oak Creek, the 86351 zip code, and that maintains the medians, the mm -hmm. planting and the meetings, the highway, and, and the two of us that one ran on a campaign to go back to using non-toxic uh, herbicides on that spray, which the city of Sedona uses on its medians and roadways. Congratulations yes. on both those yeah, wins. And thank you for continuing yeah. to serve, Karen, yeah. on the and school board. You've been there yeah. well, quite some this time. Is, yeah, this is my sixth term. I've been there 20 years. And I noticed looking at those figures, 
I have to say that, that the difference I got in getting a lot more votes than the other school board incumbent or the woman I ran with, Melina Furman, on the other board was probably a result of the door knocking from door. I look at those numbers and I know that my people have been on the board have some more name recognition maybe than some of the others. I recognize the name because my name means something in the village because of the stuff my mom did for years. But I think a lot of that is shows, you know, there's a probably you know, another 1,500 votes or so. You had the endorsement. were the result of being endorsed by Door yeah, and showing up on. Right, because Door does mailings as yeah. well for their endorsed candidates. Yeah. You were included on all yeah. of those. And, uh, yeah, yeah, having the yeah. Door endorsement certainly mm-hmm. does seem to have so an advantage. I, it had an advantage, and I presume it had an advantage up and down on, on the similar on the other races, even though that may not have. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the non non Sedona ones, whether that might have made well, a difference. I think one of the things that Door provides is that, it, especially on the lower level yeah. races, that people don't often yeah. know even what the office is or who the candidates the are education. or things like ballot propositions. Yeah, they, they they may not know what to do. Say, looking for a trusted source to help guide them or explain some of things like the ballot propositions. What Door did was sent out a mailing with the ballot measure recommendations that not only just said vote yes, vote no, but gave a little bit one line sentence about what they were about so that there was context for people. So that kind of education arm is something that having an organization like Democrats of the Red Rocks or the Cottonwood Yavapai uh, Dems is uh, very helpful in these races. So, Kathy, as long as you brought up the, those propositions, why don't we talk about that before we get into the Sedona mayor uh, analysis? Well, there were 11 propositions that on which Door took positions. Uh, there were 10 on the statewide ballot, another one that was local to our area, uh, if you were in the Coconino side of our area. And of the 11, or of the 10 statewide, uh, basically... We went five for five, five out of ten. So we got half of them went the way that we wanted. There are some interesting ones that went down. Uh, Prop 309 certainly seems still too close to call. That's the one that would require an affidavit to be filled out and submitted with your ballot or your vote can't be counted. So it's a voter suppression mm-hmm. uh, bill that we took a no position, door took a no position on. Yes is in the lead, but it is too close to call. So that's that's the big one that's hanging out there in the balance. Uh, certainly this is a great, May, great day for transparency in elections because the uh, Stop Dark Money campaign seems to have been successful. Overwhelmingly, almost, yeah. Yeah. almost 75 yeah, that was overwhelming, and as well as Protection from Predatory Medical Debt Act, that was a resounding victory as well. So there were a couple of good wins for the people, um, and a couple of things that, you know, again, maybe more esoteric that, you know, it didn't go the way that we would have recommended. There was also the Coconino County Jail Tax Extension, again, on the Coconino side, and Dora had a yes recommendation on that, and that was also overwhelmingly successful. So people get it that they need their jails to have programs that actually stop recidivism Mm -hmm. and serve people and uh, they get that and they vote for it. It passed overwhelmingly in Coconino now and in two years ago when it was in Yavapai that passed. So people are understanding these things. That's great. Are you you surprised about the uh, the affidavit um, measure for the election, like given that Mark Kelly got a pretty big win and um, Fincham was rejected. Do you think people really understand that ballot measure when they? No, I think I think some of that ties into the false allegations of voter fraud. Yeah. Uh, you make allegations that the house is on fire. People want to run outside of the house, you know, right. in case it is right. So people react to these allegations, these unfounded allegations, and and they look at this as a measure to tighten that up. Although this is a measure that will actually 
keep voter rates down. It is a suppression measure. It will make it harder to vote if you think things are slowed now because you have to do voter uh, signature verifications on everything that was mailed in or dropped off before they could be counted. Well, guess what, folks? This will slow down elections even more. Yeah. Yeah. One one more thing that has to be verified by the county officials. Yeah. You know, this is one of my long been one of my hobby horses. And one of the things I've been saying about the whole voter fraud versus voter suppression issue is that you know voter fraud the the way the right claims it happens is easier to 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 message it's very simple it's almost sexier <laughs> the voter suppression that goes on all over the country mm-hmm. is so complicated it has so many different levels and and i think you know in this particular case when people look at that ballot measure and vote for it they probably honestly think they're doing the right thing by saying, well, we're right. going to protect the A lot the of the integrity. votes on ballot measures, uh, people are voting, and the first time they're really seeing the ballot measure or giving it thought is when they're facing it on the ballot. There's right. not a lot of... of um, education that goes in ahead of time there's not a lot of they don't see it as voter suppression no no and they don't and and you only can digest you're looking at something that maybe would take a 10-page document to really understand the implications and they're looking at the paragraph that is on on the ballot itself it's Mm -hmm. it's very difficult to understand they're looking at from both sides that Mm -hmm. that two or three sentence summary which may or may not actually the the voter the the one we're talking about the sign said um, voter ID mm-hmm. but we already have voter ID at the polls right, it, right. it really would have and it would have limited the type of ID you could have used at the polls but you'd have to read down into the small print to see that it, it's not you have to show ID at the polls because we already have it and uh, and we've had it long enough that I think people mm-hmm. go to the polls. And forget that they already have to show their you know, identification. I also yeah, think so, it's important yeah. when you when a ballot proposition is on, and again, don't forget they get on there three ways. It can be the constitutional amendment, so it's required, or a citizen initiative, which is the one I want to talk about, really, or a legislative referral. On the citizen initiatives, which are the 200 numbers, so like Prop 209, 211, were citizen-based initiatives, naming those initiatives is important right. to have something pithy and direct. It's like calling something uh, Stop Dark Money. People can sort of understand what it is. Calling something uh, Stop uh, Predatory Medical Debt, you know, it, it, you, people understand it. You know, so it has to be something that explains it right off the top that stays with people with the number so that they know what they're voting for when they go in already with their ballot. And a lot, a lot of this naming stuff of propositions is being manipulated by the right, especially in states that are dealing with abortion measures. Right. Where the where the way they frame yep, the, right. the, the measure is hard to understand for people. Right. They don't know if they're voting yes or no. Right. Well, again, like Prop 129, uh, again, is something that is going to have an effect going forward. Now, we recommended no vote on that. Yes. Again, nothing's been officially called yet in the state, but it looks like yes, yeah. has certainly got the advantage on that. And the, the short explanation is it would. Um, mean that citizen initiatives would have to rise to the same threshold as legislative referendums where they can only address one subject. That's harder for a citizen's group to do, to understand the legal language that is going to apply to defining mm-hmm. one subject. Mm-hmm. Like you can't say yeah. it's raining cats and dogs. You would have to say it's raining cats. And in a separate uh, legislative mm-hmm. in, you know, yeah. initiative, a citizen initiative, you'd have to say it's raining dogs. You know? I mean, yeah. So yeah. That's another I, one. With the, it's the, just a higher yeah. threshold yeah. that's really yeah. hard 
hard for, for yeah. advocacy groups, citizen groups, the people, which is supposed to be a right that's given to us. It's in our Constitution. And ever since the legislature figured out that, gee, you know, when the citizens it's being used, stuff, it <laughs> usually works against us, you know, they've been trying to erode it, erode it, erode it. Yeah, so... Well, let, let's move quickly on to the Sedona mayor race. Yay, mayor's race. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Great voter turnout yeah. so far. I mean, I think we're up to around uh, 77, 76% of the vote uh, of the turnout, which is really great. And I think that's going to expect to inch up a little bit, too. Right. We've been known in Sedona to hit the 80 mark, um, which is wonderful. So when we went into this election for Scott, Gia- Scott Giabola, I was running as the Democrat, Samira Armstrong as the Republican. Well, it is a nonpartisan race. You do not run with a D or okay, an I right. or an R after your names. Yeah. It's a nonpartisan race. However, people have their personal registrations. Okay. In each case, Scott happens to be a registered Democrat. I do not know what Samara's registration okay. is, whether it's independent or Republican. Thanks for clarifying that yeah. uh, for, for we people who just moved to Sedona recently. <laughs> um, but so as far as this race goes, I think those of us who were supporting Scott um, felt pretty confident because after the primary, which he got the most votes, and a lot of people assumed, most of us assumed he would get most of the votes that Sandy Moriarty had gotten. Um, was it, Were we right to be really confident about this race, Scott, winning? I believe we were, yeah. yes. I believe that the votes were there. Um, Again, because it's nonpartisan, it's it, and you have to have a threshold in order to be declared the winner in the primary. The more candidates you have, the less likely it is. So we, we knew going in that it was going to go to this general election race. But I think also that many of us felt very confident, and the, it did turn out. I mean, Scott's got 57% of the vote at this point, and again, there's still some things that are inching in, so it, it'll it'll move up a little yeah. bit. Now, now you two have a lot. significantly more history than I certainly have about Sedona races like the mayor race in terms of the money that was spent. Was this, was this one of those races like what's going on all over the country where the amount of money being poured in was much higher than previous this elections? Was record-breaking, really? record-breaking. There was never as much money spent on a local election here um, wow. as there was this time around. And I think that the spending campaign-to-campaign, meeting paid for by and the, the candidate's name, the uh, Samara's uh, spending seems to have been two to one to Scott's spending. Plus, there was a lot of outside um, independent uh, expenditures that came in. That's when somebody like you, Stephen, if you wanted to say, take out an ad supporting Karen for the offices that she ran for, that wouldn't be attributed to Karen's campaign funding. That's you as an individual right. doing that. There was a lot of that happening out there as well for um, for Samara. So probably if you factor that in race to race, probably um, it's three to one spending. I would, mm. I would, that's off the top of my head. Calculation. Do you, do you see that as a trend that's going to continue or could I we turn not. it around? I really hope not. I hope that, that things will calm down here and not be as divided as they have been. And people will be working together and that that will put things back on a track because to spend that kind of money in local races, first of all, I, I, I don't see that, need or what that actually gained if you look at all the spending that happened um the bulk the candidate that had the bulk spent on her race was not successful right, you know, right. i mean so 
hopefully that will put things back on a normal track because it becomes impossible for people to run. Right. And it's nice to know the Sedona voters are not swayed just because somebody has a lot of money behind them for newspaper ads or whatever it may be. I'm I'm very... um, I, I have a lot of faith and always did in the Sedona voters, um, but it's wonderful to have that faith reinforced. I'm very proud of the voters who I think voted based on knowledge of candidates, knowledge of issues. They were not swayed um, by a lot of advertising or rhetoric. Um, it was it was a good election. It was a good election mm-hmm. because no matter who you supported yeah. or what happened i mean a lot of information got out there a lot of discussion election. on different ways to do things and, yeah. you know a lot uh, both with the candidates and from just people discussing and there were the issues dynamic so yeah. candidates that garnered a lot of support i mean people felt were really dedicated to the candidates they supported i mean it's nice to see a community get so engaged in an election right right now we we're very pleased, obviously, that Democrats had such a great showing in the congressional races. You know, the the red wave did not happen. In fact, I consider what happened in this election a mini blue wave, even if we don't end up with the House. But um, for all the good that happened, one of the bummers, at least on our side, was that Tom O'Halloran lost his yeah, race. That's right. So. Yeah. Karen, what's your take on um, what happened? The redistricting had a, a lot to do with that because we, yeah, Tom lost areas that were probably not really deep dark red and uh, partly going south and all, all the way almost down to Pima County, you know, outside of north of Tucson, and added in Yavapai County, which is a, still an extremely red district. If you looked at the various vote getting in the county, the Democrats on all levels got around 35 percent or so of the of Yavapai County the Republicans you know got 65 70 yeah. percent which is more than it was uh, 12 years ago when we were in essentially the same district mm-hmm. you know the Democrats running for state legislature got 30 some percent each it was more like 20 some percent in in the year 2000 so there's a you know a shift of some kind now whether that you know, but the, the Yavapai County is a very red district when you looked at just statewide people have talked about Arizona as a purple state. Arizona isn't really a purple state. Arizona is a divided state with a big, with the majority of its citizens now living in a purple county. Maricopa mm-hmm. County is a purple county. If you looked at the rest of just county results, mm-hmm. the, the count, other counties that voted Democratic voted Democratic that way in the year 2000. Mm-hmm. Yavapai, right. Yavapai County was Republican. Coquino County has been Democratic. But it's Maricopa County that shifted 15 mm-hmm. years ago, 10 years ago. Maricopa County was pretty much a Republican a county. Point. Now Maricopa County is obviously split. If you looked at the Democrats in, in the state, um, you know, Katie, uh, Katie Hobbs is ahead of Maricopa County. Uh, I don't I think she's probably the first Democrat. I I presume you do have to sort of win Maricopa County to win the state. So possibly Janet Napolitano did. Mm-hmm. But other Democrats running for statewide office have not won in Maricopa County a decade ago. So well, there's a real change in the voting makeup in Maricopa County that it's willing. You know, it's not necessarily a registration difference as much as obviously an independence. Because mm-hmm. there's large numbers of independents in Arizona. But what's interesting yeah. about the congressional races here is that losing Tom uh, put us at risk because we had a 5-4 delegation. Yeah. Five Democrats, mm-hmm. four Republicans as our um, House delegation. And losing that seat could have flipped it the other way, except for the fact that there are still two um, uncalled well, seats. Right, yes. right, right. Two All eyes are on uh, District 4 and District 6. So right. we're out there. It's uh, very close for District Jeff, 1. Jeff, 
and they're and they're busy curing ballots. Yes, district one and district six. Sorry, one yeah. and six. One and yes, six. district one is is Jevin Hodge, who mm-hmm. people listening to this may know he's he was on our show earlier in in the uh, he's in the lead right election now, season. Yes. No, no, he's, he's trailing by eight hundred and ninety four votes. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, Chris Kirsten Engel in Southern Arizona, which is essentially sort of the district that Anchor Patrick represented before they made it more Republican. She's trailing by about seventeen hundred votes, mm-hmm. and that's probably not going to change because there's more votes there's 30 some uh, what did it say 30,000 votes Maricopa County has 78,000 votes ready to tabulate today right. and Pima County has 35,000 right. votes and once those are in that's the bulk of the votes mm-hmm. so what we if all of those votes get dropped you know today then this will be printed then you're left with uh, provisional ballots and other things that need to be cu- and ballots that need to be cured, and there may be a few races around the state where that will come down to needing those rates. But so, so before we move on to the yeah. to the other Arizona races, real, what what's the deal with this Eli Crane guy? Uh, what can we expect from him? What is uh, what's his profile? My 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 guess is is he joins Biggs and Lesko and Gosar in the Freedom Caucus. He's that right? extreme. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. he is that extreme. He was endorsed by Trump. Um, the only, if you looked even at just on those congressional races, I have a feeling that nobody ran against uh, Debbie Lesko or, or Paul Gosar. They ran essentially yeah, unopposed. Yeah. There was Which right amazes in, me, by the way. There was a right in candidate. You know, Paul Gosar, a man yeah. whose own family will not vote for him yeah, and but works they don't live to in try Arizona. to get, yeah. Right, yeah. Try and get the yeah. other candidate, the Democrat, elected, uh, that he just, you know, comes out of this unscathed the whole time. But in, of the other people, Andy Biggs who won, but he won 56% of the vote. That's probably his smallest right. winning margin. And he did win still by 50,000 votes, but he usually won by more. And and he already, and just on the Arizona, the rumor is he's considering challenging Kevin McCarthy for the the uh, oh, House, the House leadership. Oh, I think a considering challenging yeah, Kevin Yeah, but he's, he's the leader, is, has yeah. been, a, 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 you know, I know, has was the leader of the Freedom Caucus. He's certainly been in, you know, very important in that group. And that group of Republicans, the number of people who would go along with those ideas, election deniers, uh, far-right people, yeah. uh, MAGA people, all of these sort of, you know, some of them are outright racist, all of that group of people who sort of became the Freedom Caucus, their numbers are greater in nationwide in the Congress while the Republicans may win by a, a razor-thin majority, they're going to have more of those far-right people to deal with than currently. As somebody, so. as somebody like me who's a recent uh, Arizona resident now, is it is it accurate or off track to call Arizona a very schizophrenic political state <laughs> when you have when you have Democrats who may win the Senate, um, the governor's office, the Secretary of State? Um, but then you have Paul Gosar types. Is Again, it just a question a of the way the out. state works? Before, a, a lot of that world. has to do with the character of the yeah. district. Each yeah. district has a distinct and unique character. Yeah. But when you add it all up on the statewide offices, yes, there's much more of that blue to red you know, swing that leaves us in, in the yeah. purple. But think about it. Arizona delivered... You know, for Biden. Yep. You know, now yeah. Arizona delivered for the U.S. Senate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arizonans understand. And again, a lot of that comes from what's happening. The changes are taking place down in Maricopa because it is so dense uh, versus some of our other smaller counties. Some counties have a very small population. When we look at, I think we see the final results for statewide office, it is split. And right. it's split in strange ways. The, the two women uh, who, you know, Sandra Kennedy and Lauren Kuby, 
lost in the mm-hmm. Corporation Commission. You know, Sandra Kennedy is about 50,000 votes. You know, it's like one, it's one percentage to, point. To me, though, that becomes losing. a victim of the drop-off because the drop-off. people vote the top yeah. of the ticket right. yeah. and they, they are party loyal. And when they don't maybe know what the office yeah. is or does or the candidate name, they just don't vote in the race. Or they just click it because it's D or R. Or you yeah, looked right. at things. And but I think we have real drop-off down yeah. when you get down to, you know, even attorney general, treasurer, the corporation commission. There's such a drop-off rate that yeah. that really impacts And, and that's where you see things people have sort of said, like Kimberly Yee's race. Mm-hmm. She's, the, she's the Republican who did the best. Mm-hmm. Right, and she's winning. She's an incumbent, she's an incumbent and she never and really. It's a, race, it's a race which nobody knows about, and it's a race in which the person holding it is not going to be able single-handedly to change the direction of the state. But like if you the think governor. about it as well, yeah. on the state so, level of, of you know the names that are out there yeah. running for state because they've either stepped into trouble or they've been very good about getting us out of trouble. Right? Uh, yeah. She's somebody who's had such a low profile, and you know that office hasn't. There's yeah. there's no scandal there. There's no crazy statement to hang on. Honor. There's no, there's no big heroic thing that she's done. I mean, she's just a yeah. low-profile so candidate. So it looks at like an incumbent with the yeah. with the advantage of incumbency. Some uh, analysts or columnists looked at it. This is the idea where the people who voted, who couldn't bring themselves to vote for Mark Fincham, election denier, January sixth right. conspirator, but were Republicans and couldn't could not vote all Democratic, had to look to find a Republican right. they could vote for. And she was She's one. the one. Exactly. The Corporation Commission, because nobody knows what to do. The other one that if you shows that is Tom Horn, mm-hmm. where Kathy Hoffman is leading like 592 votes. Mm-hmm. She's the, uh, more likely to lose that advantage. Right. And, right. and so that's people who look there. And again, I don't, it's either people just wanted to vote Republican, they don't remember, they don't know anything about Tom Horn, or... It's showing that the conspiracy theories about critical race theory taught in schools mm-hmm. resonated with more voters than, critical, well, than, than January 6th conspiracies. And the irony, though, <laughs> of this where Arizonans are always stating that education and every yes. poll is one of their top priorities. Yeah. So, But in this race, here you had a candidate who actually believes in education, an incumbent who believes in funding education, who believes in teachers and supporting them, and but she's not likely to pull it out at this point against somebody who's anti-education yeah. that they put in. Yeah, because yeah. in education votes, yes, they, you but know, how, do, how do you reconcile yeah. that, that uh, yes, education is a top issue to me, but then you vote for somebody who's not education. You have to say that it's because of the lack of uh, understanding of the candidates that are running and what the office does and how the two, what the two do. Link. Yeah, because yeah, you look down on just education. I looked at school board races because I know some people running in various things around the state. I know the names of some people. And there was, you know, I haven't gone back to analyze who, who endorsed who, but there's some very strength. There, there are very red districts, very Republican districts, where the incumbents and the people endorsed by, by the teachers' union won. Yeah. And there are other districts you think would be more liberal, where the people who are claiming we're teaching critical race theory, we're, we're teaching children to become gay, won. Right. So it's you know this you know, obviously and those come down and those are local races they come they come down often to I'm do you, my own horny or say nobody you, had to teach me yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know yeah do you know the person running on these local when these local races yeah. have you have you heard of the name of that person 
you know, do you voting for, you know, what reason is, you know, vote, you know, did you vote for them because of what they serve or did you vote for them because you, you knew them and you'd had, you know, they belonged to some club you belonged to or you met them somewhere. Karen, you're good yeah. at running the stats. Where are you on the Chris Mays race? Because I think that she's going to pull it out. She's she, ahead by a remind over, us what over she's 11,000. Attorney General. Attorney General. Chris Mays for Attorney yeah. General. She's it's critical, critical in, in our state right now on choice issues. Yeah, right. critical. It's, I would think she does have a chance. I listened last night to, uh, the uh, guy named Garrett Archer, who in the, has a real, a real numbers cruncher, he worked for the state before. Uh, his, he follows this real closely day by day on Twitter. Um, he was on Channel 15 uh, a Facebook Live program, and they in, went into detail on the statewide votes. And he's been following those, and he, he's analyzed like the Maricopa votes last night. Which part of Maricopa County did they come from? Were these Republican-leaning areas, Democratic-leaning areas? And he's, he was talking about some computer program that you plug it in to figure out, like, the, the votes dropped by Maricopa County today are going to favor Kerry Lake, but possibly not by a big enough percentage. And they've mm-hmm. got this con- formula that Kerry Lake, he says Kerry Lake has and would probably apply, you know, to attorney that has to get, like, 50, uh, 58% plus of the votes right. so today. Is her lead Today's big enough to, to hold her, on? And if she yeah. gets less than that, her lead probably won't hold. The, uh, Chris Mays has a smaller lead, so the figures are there. But it's So it, it comes down to nobody really knows. Right. Right. And you those it will be tonight because that's almost 100,000. That's 100,000 votes if Maricopa and Pima County actually get all those votes tabulated and, today. And, that's, and I've understood that's their goal. Right. And the Katie Hobbs race, can do it, you know. this is the last governorship in the nation right. that needs to be called. Yes. Right. And I do think it's going to come down tonight right Right. and and if katie wins it'll continue another piece of historic uh trend where the the president in a midterm and the other party was able to pick up governor's races which is not and and hold the house and and even in the arizona house they are yeah the the split between republicans and democrats is going to be essentially the same in the Arizona legislature, mm-hmm. then there's going to be a lot of different names. So we really, you know, it's going to be hard to predict because an awful the, lot of brand the breakdown new people will be the same. both parties are, are probably the same. Yeah. You know, it may, there's still, it's one or two races that are still on the edge there. But that, yeah, they're leading with 16 seats Republicans uh, for the yes. Senate and 31 seats in yeah. the House. That's essentially what it was now. There's still a couple races that are too close to call in the state. But that essentially was the same in, in two years ago and four years ago. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the Arizona, the, the Arizona legislature has been pretty much divided with only a small Republican advantage for a number of years now. That hasn't changed. Yeah, there was only one time um, that the, the Republicans controlled both chambers every session but one since 1993. Yeah. And the exception was when the Senate was deadlocked 15 to 15 in 2000. 2001 and 2002. So a Republican legislature up until this year, possibly, had a Republican governor. If Katie Hobbs is governor of Arizona as a Democrat and the legislature is still leaning Republican, what can we expect in terms of legislation out of Arizona? Are they, and, and, and here's another aspect of this. Knowing what happened in this election nationwide has got to, unless they're completely dense, send a message to these people about how they need to govern or how they need to approach governing and dealing with the public. What do you think the dynamic's going to be if it's a Katie Hobbs Republican legislature? Well, I'm, I'm still keeping my fingers crossed yeah. because we've got LD4. Um, Laura Tetrick is behind by less than 1%. It's not over. It's not over. Okay. So She's, so, she's uh, still going to get a seat because she's running for the House. That, right. so, but there are a couple other seats that are, that are less than 2,000 votes. Right. Uh, Jeannie Castine... Um, 
uh, Cindy Hans in the Senate. There's a couple of Senate races where it's, con- who knows, it's conceivable. Yeah. It's not mathematically impossible for them to win. And Christine yeah. Marsh winning over Nancy Bartow, you've got, yes. you've got rid of one of the voices most that's conservative, been yeah. one of the dip- most difficult yeah. voices in trying okay. to get any yeah. kind of reconciliation between parties and moving legislation. Yeah. So that's, that's a big yeah. win just based on not even party change, but just getting somebody out who's been obstructed. Right. Yeah, the Republicans in the Arizona Senate have chosen their leadership, and the Senate president is likely to be Warren Peterson, who was an extremely, extremely long-time, very conservative Republican, mm. far to the right. I don't know how he, I don't know how he believes in election denial, but far to the right for, for women's rights, for taxation, all of those issues. He's far yeah. to the right. And he already has said that he is going to appoint... Senator Wendy Rogers to chair the election committee oh in the Arizona legislature. While the Democrat, they let the House Republicans haven't chosen their leadership. The Democrats chose their leadership. Um, the Republican leadership looks like it's pretty much white. <laughs> Honestly, the, the leadership on the Democratic side, both House leaders are um, Hispanic. Raquel Tehran is again is minority, uh, the leader. She's also the chair of the Democratic Party. Andres Cano, who is a uh, was one of the youngest people ever elected to the state legislature, and he's been there a number of terms. Yeah. He's still in his 30s. You know, he is not only uh, you know, working on Hispanic rights, women's rights, he's gay. You know, he's probably more representative of Arizona than Warren Peterson, who is, I don't know, what, 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 a, a senior citizen white male. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're just bringing up about Wendy Rogers possibly being appointed to this position in, in the legislature speaks to, you know... As happy as everybody is on the Democratic side about what's happening, I don't think we can lose sight of the fact that their stripes really are not going to change much. So if if in Arizona you're looking at a Mark Kelly winning re-election and possibly Katie Hobbs, a Democrat, being governor and a Democratic secretary of state, and the legislature is still going to pursue the, these extreme agendas like, I mean, they may be rejecting an election denier for governor. And yet they still may put somebody like Wendy Rogers in a position that deals with elections. It's just election denier. And that means you're going to look at the, the ballot propositions to do that do with voting that would have been voter suppression that the people said no to are were worth bills that didn't pass yeah. last time. They will come back and pass again and it's there'll it's, be a lot of deja it's vu. the Senate president and the committee chair who decide what bills get heard. So you can, if that combination, if you, you can see that. And so I think Katie Hobbs is going to have more exercise on her veto pen mm-hmm. than a number right. of, than, <laughs> than the Ducey ever did. Yeah. though about Wendy Rogers is she almost got redistricted out in the first place. Yeah. You know, yeah. And then it was drawn, especially just to accommodate her, to get her back into yeah. a district. And this is going to haunt us. Yeah. She's another one who beat a sitting, rep, a sitting senator. On the Republican side, who was the authoress of all of the election suppression bills, so, so she she beat somebody who was not as vocal an election denier, but certainly was all for voter suppression on her, on the Republican primary. Mm-hmm. So it goes from bad to worse. <laughs> yeah, but, so, yes. so this morning, so this morning, I'm watching a little bit of Morning Joe and hearing their uh, their recap, and what they were what they were kind of harping on was that this was independents and moderate Republicans repudiating crazy and wanting normal again. Do you think that's what's happening in these Arizona races, given the fact that Kristen Sinema won last time, so they voted for a Democrat 
and Mark Kelly. Okay. So they've been voting for Democrats in those races. Yeah. But do you think in, <laughs> yeah. But do you think in this election, a, a, a sizable number of Arizona voters repudiated crazy? I do. Yeah, I do think they did. Absolutely. And I, and I think that you're hearing that coming from the elected officials themselves now that they're safe and they're figuring oh gee trump didn't help us they're looking to further distance yeah. themselves i mean i don't trump is weaker than he has been absolutely the entire yeah. time if you yeah. looked at the statewide races the trump endorsed people running for senate governor or other statewide races the election deniers most of them on the who had a, who had to face a statewide electorate lost mm-hmm. like mark fincham i'm one of the few people who won was chris kobach in kansas and Chris Kobach is the author from six, eight, not ten years ago of all of the election fraud yeah. and birtherism. So he's been on that fringe. He was on that fringe long before people like Fincham joined it. He, yeah. And he won. Uh, I thought there was Attorney General or Secretary of State in Kansas, one of the two. But most of the election denying Trump supported statewide candidates lost. A lot of them in the in the Congress though won because of the issue of not voting statewide, voting within a district. But but then you have crazy yeah. stuff happening like Ryan Zinke, who who was a corrupt cabinet official in the Trump administration, his interior secretary, won a congressional race the other day. Well, so you know we we it. Just because we're doing great in these midterms doesn't mean we can like rest on our laurels. Well, that's because it's still true that the ma- ma- I don't know what the percentage are. I've seen that the majority of congressional seats are safe for one party or the other. Right. So right. If, if even if the majority because of, they redistrict them themselves, yeah, themselves. Right. Even if the majority of Republicans or Democrats in a state might be more moderate, their the, their candidate might be more on the fringe of a par- of the party. You know, that's the Arizona. They, they didn't face primary unique. challenges. They don't face general election challenges, which is why I don't know about Zinke versus Montana. Z- yeah. It's Montana. He's in a Republican state. Yes. Right, right. So that's, so some and Arizona is unique yeah. in the fact that we have an independent redistricting commission. I mean, it's not always that independent, as we saw this last time around. Right. But we do. It's on paper. It does exist. There is some attempt at looking at lines that make sense, but that's not the way it is in the bulk of the states. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you've got the houses that are the Senate's redrawing Senate lines, and uh, I'm sorry, House members redrawing house lines and state legislatures redrawing their respective lines as well for their districts so uh, it's just the system is meant to it's devised in a way that helps preserve the power of those who have it so there's always a fight to preserve power so you get more and more extreme as you go along well i mean uh, george is a perfect example Mm -hmm. i didn't realize until i heard this the other day and I went to I went to Atlanta for the runoff in 2021 to be a poll watcher, and I didn't realize that they changed the time period between the general and the runoff from nine weeks to four weeks, and they also stopped anybody registering the vote in that window. Mm-hmm. So in the last runoff in 21, when when Warnock and um, Ossoff. and Ossoff won. Yeah. There was a nine-week period to to vote, and you could also register, mm-hmm. and that was eighty thousand people. So, Brian Kemp is still engaging in voter suppression, like there's nobody's business, and and people like Stacey Abrams lose races because of this. Actually, let's talk about the Warnock race for a minute because sure. it's so important. I think it's I, huge. 
Yeah, I don't want people to sit back and think, oh, okay, the Democrats have control of the Senate now, you know, and and sit this out. You need to still make sure that you contact your friends in Georgia, your relatives in Georgia. You need to get into a postcard writing campaign to send out to people there, help make phone calls, send money. It's now a new race with a new bank account, you know, that needs to be bankrolled, right? Um, But because... You need this race. We in this in the nation need this race to counter Joe Manchin, Kristen Cinema, right. who have not been a dependable Democratic voters for the platform of the people. So this is a race that is is also vital. It's not like icing on the cake. It's still part of the core platform. Although I, I'm hopeful that because no matter what happens, they will not have control of the Senate. I think right. Republicans will have a lot less incentive to vote, especially the ones that went to the went to the uh, checked Herschel Walker's name. But don't forget, fifty-fifty means a shared control right. exactly. in terms of the chairs. If the Democrats do have the clear fifty-one, um, and, and you don't need Kamala just breaking ties, you actually have a real majority. Then the chairs become different. Yeah. Their ability to subpoena. Uh, appointments that are made. I mean, it's a whole different judicial appointments. Based yeah. and, on that's what, and that's what gives Democrats yeah. a real incentive to vote. Where, right. where on the Republican side, I don't think they're going to wrap their head around that concept mm. very easily. Yeah, Leadership I, will, but they won't. Yeah. But it's not but pithy. They won't be right. able to translate it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and the and the and the uh, conservatives or or the independents who, for whatever reason, didn't like Raphael Warnock because he's a Democrat, because he's African-American, whatever, but very hesitantly voted for Herschel Walker, um, probably won't be doing that a second time. At least we can hope. They go back and and look at some Well, and the trends show, I mean, Warnock is ahead. And the trends show that usually when it goes into that special runoff, that, that those, the voter the one who the candidate who got the highest amount of votes usually prevails i don't right. know that that's ever broken trend I, I don't know that no it's just about georgia and louisiana i think are the only states that have that where runoffs happen runoff. on the yeah. federal on the federal as opposed to lower level races right yeah so not, it, not too many states even even do that too many in all these states have these these different things the one thing that i have already heard people talking about in arizona i'm sure in these is there's undoubtedly in the next year is going to be a lot more talk about changing the whole primary system mm. and looking at at uh, either ranked choice voting like alaska did um, top two primaries like california whether that and again whether that's good or bad but i've heard you know, i think that's going to be something that people in a lot of states are going to be looking at that issue right. on to try to see does that eliminate you know, yeah, Stephen, some of the extreme up, voters are extreme candidates. You brought up uh, racial diversity before. You just touched on that, and I just think it's worth mentioning some of the firsts that did yes. happen around the nation as well, such as Democrat Westmore uh, mm-hmm. made history now as Maryland's first black governor uh, and only the third black governor elected in U.S. history. So important to note that. Representative Summer Lee, a Democrat, also became the first black woman elected to Congress from Pennsylvania. So you've got, again, states that are, are making real changes, uh, such as Arizona. You know, we were making changes from within. They're making changes from within, and that's showing. Yep. And it's showing in a way that's having national impact. Yep. Uh, I, I would think we would all agree it was a good few days yes. <laughs> for yes. Democrats. And, and hopefully today will we'll be the, the last of it, one way or the other, whether we're celebrating, you know, uh, whether we're celebrating, you know, three statewide races 
or only one or two or whatever it is. But yeah. Well, I know what all of us are going to be doing later today, refreshing our uh, computers. Refreshing our browsers. <laughs> <laughs> browsers. If, if, if you're running at like 5.30, <laughs> it's every, every 10 minutes. If you, go to Twitter, if you go to Twitter and look up Garrett Archer, right. it says ABC 15 Data Guru is his name, and he will tell you exactly when Maricopa County votes will be dropped. Thanks to our yes. sponsors again, yes. to Democrats of the Red Rocks, Democ- the exactly. uh, Yavapai Party, and uh, El Portal. El Portal. And I'm glad you mentioned that, Kathy, mm-hmm. because in the few minute we have left, there were two big door events coming up on the same day, Friday, November 18th. Um, there's going to be the door breakfast in person and at home. And uh, so you should check that out. If you haven't, I'm not uh, sick of me because I'm one of the speakers at that meeting. And by the way, Kathy Kinsella is one of the speakers at that meeting, everybody. <laughs> yeah. And the other one uh, that we're going to promote is uh, the, the Door Film Club is going to be that evening at 5 o'clock. So um, I would suggest everybody go to the Door website. Kathy, what's the website address? Uh, it's... W- <laughs> Democrats of the, the Red, Red Rocks, Rocks dot org, org. or SedonaDoor dot org. No, it's Democrats of the, the Red, Red Rocks, Rocks dot org. org. Yeah, the other one is not valid so anymore. So go check that out and find out what door events are happening. I want to thank my guests, Kathy Kinsella, and our regular co-host, Kathy Karen McClellan. Been listening to Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show focusing on the political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and our nation at large. Catch us every Monday morning after the 8 a.m. news, right here on AM 780 KAZM. It's beautiful out there, folks. Have a great day.